This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for being with me on this edition of the Danny Mac Podcast. I'm the Danny Mac part. Adam Delavitt is the big boss at uh, Bet Rivers. And Sam Michael, the very proud Highland Trojan and Northwest Indiana's version of Casey Wolf is the executive producer of the show. I had a, a blast catching up with Jeremy Roenick Tuesday evening. Glad we were able to get that to you as the Hawks were dropping their first in five or six games against the uh, Phoenix Coyotes or Arizona Coyotes or whatever they are this year. Uh, bad loss. And uh, the Patrick Kane trade has has created a lot of conversation locally, and I'm I'm not done with my project. I promised on social media I would have done for you very very soon, but I've got my first my first five, actually my first six of a list of twenty I need to knock out uh, on Monday's podcast, and that is because all of the conversation goes well. But you know, since Jordan is Patrick Kane, the biggest star in Chicago, and the answer is probably yes to that. A lot of different ways people are trying to put Kane's career into perspective. That's That goes with the territory. When a 16-year among the all-time greats is moved, as Kane was on Tuesday to the Rangers. I have my top line, my top pairing of defensemen, and my starting goaltender for the all-time Blackhawks Game 7 Roster. This is my lineup as they drop the puck for game seven of a Stanley Cup final. My all time Blackhawks roster has Stan Makita centering for Bobby Hull and Patrick Kane on the wings. Both were left handed shots. Um, you're going to have to have them on the front line. You're going to have that every now and again where you're left handed or both right handed at both wings. The way those guys played the game, it doesn't matter. That's your front line. Makita centering for Hull and Kane. The blue line is simple. It's it's Chris Chelios at right defense and Duncan Keith as my left defenseman. Period. Paragraph. We'll get to the other guys when I do who else is on on my line in my lineup on my bench and to be used liberally when we have that game seven it's a great it's a great roster there are no insults you make these 18 skaters you've done something well and the goaltender is tony esposito and it's it's pretty obvious that eddie belfour is the other goaltender who dresses for my imaginary seventh game of a cup final with the all-time blackhawks team but it was great to catch up with ronick as we reflected 
on both the era that has just now passed, basically all of the bricks have been stripped from the foundation that was the Dynasty Hawks, if you want to call three and six years, five calendar years, six playoff years, a dynasty, I do. Some contend you have to win back-to-back to be considered a dynasty. I'm not among those. I'll leave that to Mark Lazarus from The Athletic. Um, it, it was also fun to reflect on Roenick's Hawks of the 90s, who never did capture hockey's holy grail, but created so many amazing memories for Blackhawks fans my age and even younger who remember Roenick, Chelios, Doug Wilson, Belfour, and and that group that went the distance um, in 92 only to get punched out by Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins in straight sets. That was a fun time to be a Blackhawks fan. They were overshadowed by Jordan and the Bulls, who just wanted to keep winning title after title. So as a hockey fan, I had small penis problems. Yes, yes. I was definitely a little bit Napoleonic at the time. I hated the Bulls because of it, because the Blackhawks weren't garnering any recognition, and they also were playing for a championship. I want to talk about the Combine and what the Jalen Carter news the Georgia defensive tackle, one of the top prospects in the upcoming NFL draft, what this news does to the Bears. And it it didn't come up in conversation this morning on Good Morning Football. Peter Schrager of NFL Network's Good Morning Football is at the Combine in Indianapolis, and he had Ryan Poles, the Bears GM, and head coach Matt Eberflus on the set today and ask them several generic questions. You know, well, you got to talk to every quarterback in the draft, don't you? You know, stuff like that. They didn't get into Carter, and and I doubt the Bears would give you anything on Carter. In case you have not heard, this is the biggest story in the NFL, really, the NFL draft as far as it goes this week. He is contending he will be exonerated for any any of his behaviors involved in an automobile crash that took the lives of former teammate, his former teammate, Devin Willock, uh, a former Bulldogs offensive lineman, and Chandler LaCroix, who was a 24-year-old employee. He was on their recruiting staff. Um, LaCroix's blood alcohol content was .197. That's .197. Don't ever let anyone tell you it was 1.97 or 2.14. That would be lethal. It's .197. Think of the ratings Chet Kopik used to get when he was doing afternoon drives on the uh, drive on the old WMVP. So LaCroix was hammered, and uh, the vehicle he was driving, his SUV was clocked at 104 shortly before the accident took those two lives. And we already have a reason to, to look at Carter as a suspect because he changed, suspected of being, not completely innocent here, as he says he is. He went on Twitter and very, very chesty suggests he'll be exonerated on this. There was no wrongdoing. He changed his story to the police. He originally, this was from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, police said he originally said he heard the crash from a nearby apartment complex, and he later told them that wasn't truthful, that he had been driving either in front of, to the side of, or behind LaCroix at the time of the accident. LaCroix lost control of the vehicle and it split a utility pole. The car, it just both, both, both guys were just 
killed, and there were other people injured in the accident too, all members of the Georgia football family. But Carter says when all is said and done, he'll be exonerated. Not, no problem with him. He's a 21-year-old kid with infinite potential, 6'5", 310 pounds, very lean for 6'5", 310, muscular, good lower body power. He was one of the best defensive linemen in the country this year. I didn't watch a ton of college football, but he made an impression on me when I watched the dogs. And he's the best player on the field when I watched Georgia this last year, especially on defense. And that's a statement because they've been very, very good there the last several years. I don't know what this will do. I, I suppose this thing will not be shaken out by the time we're at, at draft night. Well, it is draft day in late April. There won't be resolution to this. I, NFL teams are going to be scrambling to try and find out everything they can on Carter to see if there's a reason to be concerned here. And you know what there is, and there is with every other 21-year-old guy. And I've read some of the reactions to the Carter story and the crash that took those two lives tragically, and I am I continue to be amazed at the naivety of, of, of Americans, of, of people who's, what in the world are these guys thinking? They're not. They're not. They're not thinking. They're, they're young kids. They're, and this is not you know exclusive to young people. But when you're in your 20s, you are invincible. You think you can do everything, and you try to do that. Drag racing, high speeds on a Georgia highway with alcohol shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. Why would anybody do anything they do? Because people are in effing comprehensible. That was stated beautifully and accurately in the film Michael Clayton um, by the late Sidney Pollack. I don't, I don't think he directed that film, but he starred in it opposite Clooney. And they were talking about the brilliant Tom Wilkinson's character. Wilkinson, a great actor, and also his character was brilliant. And why he would commit suicide and... And Michael Clayton, who's played by George Clooney, is saying, I just can't figure it out. Why in the world? And he said, why? What do you mean, why? Pollock says. Lafayette, Indiana, by the way, Sidney Pollock. And he says, because people are in effing comprehensible. That's what people are. People do things that are inexplicable. And they always will. That's what makes us human. It came as no surprise to me to hear of this story. It's not the last we'll hear of it. It'll happen again today in America. Somebody is going to be killed or seriously injured drag racing. Happens every day. It just doesn't happen with a prospect, a high prospect in the NFL draft. Doesn't happen every day for that. And it reminds me of the story we heard right after the Bears had signed Byron Pringle, the wide receiver from Kansas City. Remember Byron Pringle? And wondering what he was going to do for the Bears offense? He was arrested for doing donuts in a sports car in a, and I think it was a, a, a high school parking lot. It was a parking lot in a sports car. And he has his son in the back seat. His young son is in the back seat, probably loving it, but no idea the gravity of, of the danger involved and Pringles doing donuts in a school parking lot in an automobile that has a 700 or 800 horsepower engine. Look, I've sat behind the wheel when there was 600 or so horsepower under the hood. 
uh, a Mustang Shelby years ago. You don't want to be doing that with or without your child in the back seat. That is a, a, a meth a, a means of destruction. Those vehicles, you can lose control of them oh so quickly. And I almost did one time, not in the not in the Shelby, but in the first turbocharged vehicle I ever owned uh, in the late '80s. I I went around a corner in second gear with the right foot on the floor. I had the pedal on the floor as I was going to shift to third gear, and I was pulling in to a gas station parking lot just up ahead on the right as I hit third gear and began to start to break shortly after I hit third gear and got a little bit more revved up. I started to slow and pulled into this gas station and almost ran right over the pumps. I couldn't get that vehicle under control that quickly. You don't get behind the wheel of a vehicle like that and, and challenge it. You don't. Leave that to the professionals. Any slight little bump you hit at 160 miles an hour, that vehicle is going to have its path altered. It's terrifying. Why do people do it? Well, what the hell do you think? Why do they do it? Because they're human beings and we're incomprehensible. I want to talk about Ryan Leaf with you for a few minutes. I have been watching his work with interest on NFL Network this week. And I'm rooting for Ryan Leaf. He, he's 46 years old now. The former Washington State Cougar. You likely know the story. Quick refresher course. He was the number two player chosen in the NFL draft in 98. Peyton Manning of Tennessee went ahead of him. He signed a contract with the San Diego Chargers worth $31.5 million. That's had he met all the requirements, he would have collected it. He did not. Poor play, erratic behavior, and substance abuse issues led to the Chargers releasing Ryan Leaf. He got a signing bonus of $11.5 million dollars. But in 10 years or so, much of that had dissipated, and he began a a series of problematic behavior and trouble with the law. And he was convicted a couple of times of a couple of different things. In Texas in 2010, Leaf was indicted um, on charges of burglary and possession of prescription drugs. But a Texas judge went easy on him and gave him 10 years of probation. Several years later, in his home state of Montana, in 2014, Leaf was arrested, convicted. He pled guilty to felony burglary, broke into a home to try and steal prescription drugs. Ryan Leaf was a pain pill addict. Ryan Leaf couldn't get enough pain medication. I can't imagine a bottom as low as Ryan Leaf experienced and a willingness to break into a home to get somebody's medicine because my skin is crawling like that. And I've had the crawlies. I'm not proud of it, but full disclosure, I had pain medication issues. I couldn't imagine a bottom like that. Uh, You know, the withdrawal from opioids is hellish for three days. You can't relax. Your legs quiver at night. You can't stay comfortable in bed for more than 10 minutes, but never to the point of pulling the flesh off of my face 
and wanting to bust into someone's house. You know, I hate to liken this to something Keith Richards said about his addiction years ago, but it's three days of climbing walls and then you start to feel better. Man, to be so, so locked in. And that's what most crimes are from. I have several friends in the legal profession. And when you have robberies, when people, 95% of the time, it has been estimated from people I know in the law who do law for work, when somebody tries to rob a convenience store, a liquor store, a gas station, take your pick, it's to get money for drugs. Most of the time, that's what it's for. And Ryan Leaf got lucky. Three year, three months after he was sentenced to, what, I think five years. Yeah, he was given a five-year sentence in Montana. He was released three months later. It likely was an agreement his attorney struck with authorities if he would be an ambassador for the recovery community. And Leaf has been that. He's involved with Transcend Recovery Community, which is a sober living, a community of sober living houses in L.A., Houston, and New York. Uh, he he went to treat, substance abuse treatment the first time in British Columbia. He's been through it a few times. He had to do it again after 2014 and all of that stuff. And he became an ambassador for the Transcend Recovery Community. And I root for him. I want him to find a second life. This is a guy who struggled terribly when the crowd stopped cheering and it was immediate. It wasn't long after his arrival in the NFL where people began to make him a punchline. He is considered the number one bust in NFL draft history. That's according to, I think it's NFL Network's top 10. It might be NFL films. I'm not sure, but there's a top 10 list. The number one bust in the draft is Ryan Leaf. A finalist for the Heisman Trophy his senior year, but a guy who was prickly before he ever left Washington State. Uh, I had him on the radio. Back in an era when Chicago sports radio producers actually rolled up their sleeves and tried to get big-name guests on the air for the audience to enjoy, Washington State is about to play Michigan in the Rose Bowl for the national championship. That's Lloyd Carr's Wolverines quarterback by Brian Greasy against Washington State's Cougars quarterback by Ryan Leaf. We had him on the show a couple of weeks before the game. And Charles Woodson of Michigan had won the Heisman Trophy. And Leaf was angry about the fact Woodson did not acknowledge a Michigan wrestler who had died tragically during his acceptance speech for the Heisman. Why that was under the skin of Ryan Leaf, we had no idea. We looked puzzled. Terry Bores, my partner, and I, I don't know why he's going there, but he is. And he was he was edgy and abrasive for several minutes. And I started to ask him about his place in the NFL. The Colts picked Peyton Manning at number one. There was a possibility Indianapolis was going to draft Leaf who went second to San Diego. And I said, you know, you play where you'll play. You're going to be happy to get the opportunity. But, man, I watched a lot of the Colts last year. That offensive line doesn't block, and he interrupts me. And it's, what do you know about it? 
what do you know about how to play, how to pass protect in the NFL? And I'm just, whoa. I said, I've watched a few games. I've talked to a few people over the years. This is 98. I'd been in the business in the city for 11 years. I've been watching pro football since 1970. I've seen some things. I've never played in a Rose Bowl, but I've watched a lot of the Colts. And they don't protect. I knew that, and I told him that. And he said, yeah, you just, you know, you're sure you're in great, you're in great shape. He might've been one of the guys who played that card as well. And I turned it on him and I'd forgotten all about this until I saw his face recently uh, on good morning football. I told him that I'm playing Michigan in the Rose bowl because I'm convinced his mind is on things other than, than the game that he's, he wants to fight with people like me who shouldn't matter to him, and he wants to pick on Charles Woodson, who unfortunately, for people who like defense, like I do, had to return kicks and punts to get the Heisman, the first defensive player ever to win it. But without his highlight reel stuff as a return man, he doesn't win that Heisman. It probably is won by Manning or Leaf. I don't remember who finished 2-3. Woodson won the award and he didn't thank them. He didn't acknowledge the, the Michigan wrestler who had died. So that pisses off Ryan leap. We had a fight legendarily over it. He was fighting with reporters early and often in San Diego. He missed a season due to an injury. He was accused of being a guy who didn't put in the work doing the rehab afterward. And his post NFL life was a disaster. His marriage uh, dissolved quickly uh, radio stations weren't interested in giving him an opportunity and he looked terrible. He got really heavy. He was not in a good place. And I saw him last week. Actually, I've seen him several times this season. He has filled in a handful of times for Jason McCordy or others. Kyle Brandt hasn't been there very much since the season ended. And I, I find him to be engaged. He looks healthy. His eyes are clear. He's playful. He has self-deprecating humor. He's not bashful about, you know, he, he's guarded in his criticism because I think he knows he has a lot of people he needs to win over and needs to show some humility for those who want nothing to do with him. And I'm just like, I'm feeling good. I'm like, you know, I hope he makes it. He's, he's 46. He made those mistakes in his twenties and in his thirties. And I know a little bit about how that addiction monkey just refuses to jump off your shoulders, no matter how hard you try to F and shake it. I want this cat to succeed, man. And I refreshed myself this morning on his background. And there was something of which I was unaware. And that is his most recent transgression. I didn't know about this until five o'clock this morning. Ryan Leaf is still on probation after admitting to the charge of domestic battery in October of 2020. He copped a plea. He agreed to do 12 months of domestic violence education, and there were three years of probation tacked onto it. In the photos, and I looked on several different stories to make sure I had the right photo, because and it was. 
the one they showed from this arrest in Palm Desert, California, fall of 2020. It's that picture. And he looks terrible. This is less than three years ago. He looks nothing like the guy I'm watching on TV today. The guy on TV today, he doesn't have a narrow face, but he's not puffy. He's not cherry-cheeked with glossy eyes and a bloated, unshaven neck. Leaf looked terrible less than three years ago in this picture. Nothing has come of it since. There's been no follow-up on it. He's a suspect. Uh, he forever will be a suspect. We are. That's We, we earn that. He's had repeated offenses. I, I've been in treatment a few times. We're all suspects. I want the dude to succeed. It looks today like he's on a healthy path, and I hope that is the case. I got no reason to dislike Ryan Leaf. You know, he's a human being. He made a lot of mistakes. He was fun. If you haven't seen him yet on Good Morning Football, check it out. You may enjoy it. I'll be back Monday, and I'm going to get back in the mailbag Monday. You can find me on Twitter at Danny Mac Show if you'd prefer to use Facebook because it's a much more genteel forum. I agree with you. Find me on Facebook, D-A-N-M-C-N-E-I-L. Want to wish you a great weekend, whatever it is you do. If you haven't seen the movie The Menu yet with Ralph Fiennes and you like dark movies, you should watch it. It did very well at the Golden Globes, but isn't getting a sniff for the Oscars, which are coming up very, very soon. I think they're next weekend. I was surprised after watching the movie a couple of times that it didn't get Oscar noms. It is deliciously dark. It is a something. Not many big names on board. Ray Fiennes, pretty much the only huge star, at least in my eyes, in this film. And his performance as the chef at an exclusive restaurant. Oh, you wait till you see what's on the menu. If you like it that way, if you like your movies served up disgusting and disturbing. And I shouldn't say disgusting. It's not graphic. But it's pretty shocking, and it's dark. Ralph Fiennes turns in the most chilling performance in film since Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter in 1991. You heard it from the Macker. Check out the menu if you like it dark. Thanks for listening. I'll be back Monday. Have a great weekend. I'm Mac, and I'm Taillights for now. Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.